Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Uh, before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. So if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforums.com. We also want to give a shout out to purpleptsd.com for giving us a chance to post our pod there as well. So shout out to purpleptsd.com. Today we have a special guest, Dan. Uh, and Dan, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and maybe where people can find the stuff that you uh, you work on related to the Vikings. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Sam. So I've been working uh, with Purple Pain for a good five, six years now, doing all sorts of articles related to the draft, do weekly depth chart previews, crunching PFF data, doing some studies. This year we were doing some uh, quarterback studies with uh, the potential of Kirk getting traded. So yeah, um, Purple Pain is your place to go if you just want want to read some articles. We got a got a close knit edit, um, community of posters, and yeah, I think I think it's definitely an uh, enjoyable place to be. Neat, neat. It sounds like you got a lot of things then on the go that you you do. Is there like a favorite area that you like to work on, or is there maybe something that over the past year you've really enjoyed working on? Well, the over the past year, I've actually been working, not totally related to Purple Pain, but I've been working on a NFL simulation in Python. So that's been taking up a lot of time. So I, I do have an article on Purple Pain. I've been going over the 2021 Viking season of all the matchups and seeing, okay, which games should we have won? I've been running like, for example, this last week, I did the Vikings and Cowboys. I had mm-hmm. them played a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Cooper Rush starting with the Cowboys. The Vikings won like 76% of the time. Yeah. Then yeah. I put Dak Prescott in and we won 49% of the time. So right. Right. That that one I know Kyle has mentioned is is the loss that I don't know if it's fair, Kyle, to say that it stings the most, but that that is one of the ones the games that you isolated isolated as a real missed opportunity. The Lions game that we lost is the yeah. worst one in my mind. Because yeah. the play that I mean it's the Lions. And then two, the play that Cameron Dancer made at the end was so horrendous. And I love Cameron Dancer. I like Cameron Dancer. But that particular play was so awful. That is the one in my mind as like the worst loss. Um, but the Cowboys is probably number two, uh, that Cowboys game, because of the quarterback situation that Dan was just talking about. Uh, those two stand out in my mind above the others, <laughs> which weren't great. It's not like any loss makes you happy, but those two in particular. Wow. So. Neat. Well, that's that's a cool, uh, cool little setup there. I had to go check that out. It's it's fascinating to see the difference in quarterback play there. Uh, yeah, that's a. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my math is great, but I, it's a 27 percent difference, I guess, there between those two uh, quarterbacks, which is that's just wild. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, Dan, we're, we got a few different Dan downs here. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with free agency, and so I want to get your perspective on your opinion on free agency and it's hard to kind of look at it as a whole. Cause I know there's been a lot of details. There's been some big signings. There's been some depth signings. So uh, we're going to get you to, to find 
one deal on either end of the spectrum in terms of the best deal and worst deal. Uh, why don't we start, we try to keep things positive around here. So why don't we start with, from your perspective, what has been the Vikings' best deal during this free agency period? It's got to be the, the Zadarius Smith signing, just because of the upside. And once the contract details were released, I mean, it's a, you know, it was announced as a 14 million a year deal, but it really wasn't. It's, if I recall correctly, it's more like a one year, $9 million deal where you can cut him after that for almost nothing. And then if you want to keep him two years, it's like 222. So it's really affordable compared to what it looked like on paper. And I mean, he just has, beastly upside i mean that 29 was it 2019 or 2020 the one season with the packers he was elite i think he was top five in his position by pff he's always generating pressure so as long as his back holds up he'll be worth the money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah Go that's like up. yeah that's i mean zadarius smith is and he plays such a premium position like edge rusher yeah. i mean quarterback number one probably and the, you're really dealing with four, to my mind, at least four major positions. Quarterback, obviously, being number one. But then you're talking about the offensive line, edge rusher, and corner. And you could maybe debate, you know, amongst those three. I would probably go corner, edge, and O-line. But people disagree, and there'd be all kinds of evidence to say I'm wrong. But edge rusher, for me, is like a top three important position. Need to have it. And can't just have one. Because if you just have one guy who's fantastic, then he's going to get chipped all game long, double teamed, especially on critical downs. So having two, Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And then for the money that Dan was just talking about, it's head and shoulders probably the best deal. But I was just looking at the one deal I'll, I'll give a shout out for like the best one. Chris Reed, the offensive lineman coming over from Indianapolis. I'm excited about it. Not in the sense that I think he's going to be like, you know, PFF top five, elite level, generate, you know. But he played well filling in for Quentin Nelson last year with Colts. And I know maybe their offensive line is better than ours. So perhaps it's better to look good within that context than perhaps within Minnesota's context. But uh, the stuff I've read about Chris Reed suggests that the dude's got some game and some effort and some athleticism. And uh, so Zadarius Smith is probably number one for me and probably most Vikings fans. But after him, I mean, Harrison Phillips was exciting in his own way, but I, I like the Chris Reed move. Um, just because of both the need and then there's decent value. I think he's 1.75 million this year on the cap and uh, played reasonably well. He was a top half. He was within the top half of the rankings for PFF guards last year. Um, so if he can be the right guard potentially um, and give us like average to above average, a little bit above average play, that to me is a major win um, compared to what they've had recently. So I'll, I'll give a shout out to Chris Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I, I'm not surprised by those answers from, from the two of you. Uh, what I am more curious about is what you view as the worst deal. And I think that this is maybe a little bit harder to predict in the sense, like with the best deal we're there's a lot of anticipation, especially around Smith. You've got like Dan, you mentioned just like the upside of this is quite tremendous. Uh, there certainly is the understanding with the back injury that there could be things go wrong, but even you mentioned the way the contract's set up, Things are, are well set. But in terms of the worst deal, I know that uh, certainly this is maybe a little bit harder to say, but maybe what's the deal that you have the most caution about considering uh, the Vikings offseason? I think, I think I'll say the Jordan Hicks deal 
Not mm-hmm. that he's a bad player, but he's turning 30. Um, 2020 was a pretty bad season for him. And for as a linebacker, you're 30. You know, he's kind of above average at best. His best days are almost guaranteed to be behind him. He's probably not going to be that great in coverage. So I don't love that deal. And while it's not bad, I would say the the one negative I have about this Vikings offseason is all of the guys 30 or older they've signed. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I felt like this is a team that should have been going on a youth movement. But then we so we re-signed Patrick Peterson, Smith, he's 30. Um, Jesse Davis, Chris Reed, and Jordan Hicks are all 30 or older. So there's going to be some risk there. For sure. For sure. They definitely have not, like you said, they've, they've certainly have signed guys that show that they are at least trying to do something now. Um, but I think that's a really fair, fair point to, to mention just that, that age factor. Um, Kyle, what about you? I was, um, I'm pretty good with the Jordan Hicks deal, but I understand that like, like middle linebacker, especially within this defense, isn't like super, super important uh, compared to, you can probably make the case I've been rewatching or I've been watching all the Denver Broncos games from last year to try and get a sense of what the Donatel defense might look like. And like, you could make a pretty good case that middle linebacker is the least important position on the defense because their safeties are super active. Like they're always starting in too high. And then there are, or at least often starting at too high, then their safeties are really active though, and either like coming up to the last minute or they're asked to be and take on guys one-on-one in coverage. They're asked to do all kinds of things. So again, there's one that's definitely debatable. There definitely could be people who show me evidence to the contrary, but my first instinct is to say that middle linebacker is probably the least important position in the defense. Um, that's my half-baked thought, whether it's true or not. But I'm mostly good with Jordan Hicks just because I think there's a decent out after this year, they could only they could next year he comes in at six point five million hit, but they could clear five million of that if they were to cut him. Okay. So to me, it kind of mostly feels like a one year deal, stopgap kind of thing. Um, and so I'm good with that for the most part. The one that I found most maybe given most kind of caution or concern was uh, Jesse Davis, just because like he didn't play well last year I and mean, at least not according to the pff grades like i'll admit i didn't really watch a lot of miami games um and I've, if i'm not mistaken dan maybe you can correct me but i believe he played right tackle last season i think he's got some position versatility and obviously he's not going to replace season. yeah so he's not going to replace brian o'neill so they're bringing him in to maybe be a right guard or be a swing tackle right that's got to be their thinking um and so perhaps he does better within that role rather than as a starting right, or right tackle, rather. But I don't love that it's $2.25 million this year for the hit. And to make that number happen, they tacked on a void year. So next year, he'll actually come with a bit of dead money. And it's only 750000 but it's not nothing, right? So I don't love that deal. Um, but I've been wrong so many times in my life. And I would be thrilled if, you know, if Jesse Davis comes in and he's just like a brute at right tackle and he's excellent, then I'll be the first to admit I was totally wrong. This is hundred percent worth it. I'm a dummy. Well, well done Minnesota Vikings. But, but that's, that's the one that makes me a little most concerned is, is the money uh, for Jesse Davis. If, if it was like bet minimum, mostly unguaranteed, then no worries at all, but it's like a decent, decent chunk of money. And then it even carries over into 2023. Um, so that's Jesse Davis was my, 
but it but it was that's kind of where I was thinking in my mind of like Jordan Hicks, Jesse Davis. That's kind of mostly where I was at with it. Yeah. Oh, makes sense. Well, let's switch gears a little bit here. And I'm curious because I know uh at this point it feels like a lot of the focus is on the draft and uh it's coming up. And the Vikings have an interesting decision, I guess, to make here. Uh, I know there's a lot of hope for maybe choosing a player that could uh, jump right into the starting lineup. And like, especially when you're picking at 12, you are looking for an impact player. Um, I guess, Dan, one of the first questions I'll ask for you, is there um, a preference for position or player that you have at this point regarding the draft? I'm thinking, you know, we should probably do the old BPA best player available. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think there's a single player or position that they have to get at 12. I do feel like there's going to be one or two blue chip players left at 12. Cause there's a lot of talk about this guy has to go and that this guy's going to top 10, this guy's going top 10, but I think there's enough of the blue chip prospects that there will be somebody left at 12. A few names I wrote down. Um, I think we could see Kyle Hamilton slide to 12. I think it's a possibility. Just, you know, some of his combine numbers weren't great and teams just don't value safety as much. So he might be there. I don't, I don't know if you take him. I mean, you kind of restructured Harrison Smith. So he's going to be back for another two years. Yeah. But, you know, you got to have them play together and then you have really good safety play. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. could go for one of the edge rushers, say Jermaine Johnson, George Karlaftis, mm-hmm. both of them, they would be rotational guys to start out, but you need depth behind Smith and Hunter because both of them have a injury history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one other name I wrote down that maybe he's available there, even if it's, you know, most of us wouldn't say this is a need, probably a wide receiver in Drake London. People are saying he looks like the next Mike Evans. And if he's available at 12, I think you got to take them. The receiver one, that seems to be one that has gotten more attention lately. Mostly it seems to me because of these massive contracts that are going out, right? And so you get these like huge deals for Tyree Kill, for Devontae Adams, et cetera, Stephon Diggs recently. Um, And so that therefore there's, if you can get someone to come in like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, who gives you elite receiver play for a fraction of the cost, well, then there's there's huge value there for a team. So I can see, it seems like wide receiver is a position that's kind of like a late addition to the party in terms of perceived needs for the Vikings, but there's kind of a method to the madness. Like, I, I still would be surprised, but I, I could see it. I, I could see the appeal of a receiver given the potential for getting someone who makes an impact right off the hop. Right. And then to be able to do so on the, you know, on the rookie contract and be able to, you know, get really amazing value. Uh, There's not too many players out there who provide better value to their team than Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or, you know, et cetera. Some of these young receivers who are just phenomenal already kind of thing. Um, Be surprised. I'm the Kyle Hamilton stuff's intriguing just because, you know, with what you're saying, Dan, about like, you know, safety, the perception being that it's not as important. And, like it, it isn't. It's just not as important as edge rusher, or corner, or quarterback. But that one is, that one is interesting. Like if you think if, if Hamilton does slide to twelve, which it kind of looks like he might slide now. Like, do you think he's worth it at the twelfth overall pick? 
I think he is. Yeah. Okay. Sam, do you have, I don't know how much work you've done, Sam. Have you like been grinding any mocks? Do you have any players that you've been really watching? I have a little bit. Um, I I really like Dan your perspective on the best player available, and I think like I think there's probably a combination of bless, best player available with uh, factoring in the positional need. Like I think like you talk about these positions that are uh, our priorities are not not necessarily with the Vikings roster, but positions like Kyle you mentioned. Like there's just there are positions that are more important. Uh, than than others and so I don't know if I necessarily have a name and I feel like 12 is just this fascinating spot where it's early but it's not super early uh, where you are there there is a lot that can happen and it's almost in some ways it's almost too soon to feel like someone's really sliding like if some of the one of the top five guys slides and like certainly it's there but it feels like it's still like you said Dan like there's a there's certainly a possibility of getting a blue chip guy there uh, and so I do think it's probably a wise strategy to not fall in love with a position or uh, a player, um, mm-hmm. but just being able to evaluate, okay, there's a few options here and, and what makes sense for us. It, I guess one of the things I'm curious about is with that understanding that you have 12, uh, and I know we've seen this before, and it's not always a fan's favorite option, but do you see any merit for trading down? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with this being year one of a new regime, mm-hmm. I think it makes sense to stockpile picks. I know fans, you know, they're going to have their PTSD flashbacks of, oh, no, Rick Spielman traded down, therefore trading down is bad. But, mm-hmm. you know, if there's players available around, you know, 17 to 20 that they yeah. that they like, and then you can pick up a third or maybe even a second or 2023 20, picks, which would be nice because it sounds like that's going to be a better class. Mm-hmm. I think they should do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it and I was thinking, you know, so Dan was mentioning a couple of players who might slide, um, which is always something to monitor, obviously. But then I was thinking too, with Houston picking 13th, it's very plausible that they could maybe target a quarterback at that spot. So I was wondering if the quarterbacks were to slide, if someone was, would be interested in jumping in front of the Texans to snag their man. And I don't actually know. I know it's not necessarily seen as like a strong quarterback class, but if all of them happen to slide or if one or two of them happen to be seen as particularly strong or with most potential. And I was thinking to myself, okay, with the Texans being at 13, I do wonder if that will impact things uh, for the Vikings in, in, in the sense that maybe their that 12 spots a little more lucrative in the, in the sense that you might be able to, to hop up in front of this team, assuming that, the Texans don't choose someone at number three, a quarterback that is. I'd assume they they choose maybe Stingley or, or Thibodeau if he's still there, or whoever happens to be there who they who they choose, or maybe one of the offensive linemen. Uh, but we'll see. I'm I'm, in, I'm mostly intrigued. It seems like the Vikings are really gearing up to contend in 2022. Whether that's the right decision or not remains to be seen. But that's their. They seem to want to compete in 2022, and so I don't think they want to trade back to forever because they don't. You know what I mean? Like they want to have an impact player for right now, it seems. Um, So I'll be curious to see. I can't can't imagine they're going to want to trade out of the first round entirely or maybe not even into the late 20s. But I am kind of interested to see if if Kwesi does decide that, you know what? Like, especially with what Dan was saying too, but like if you start factoring in like future 
high-end capital, like a future first or a future second or something like that. That can make a lot of sense. And that could really set up your franchise well to be competitive, you know, for a long run kind of thing. So we'll see. Maybe the idea is you trade down in the first round and then you can Mm -hmm. move up with your second round pick. So then you can get two impact players this year. Yeah, because it gives you more ammunition to kind of like then be more aggressive in that day two or something like that. That's why I yeah. thought Spielman was going to do in last year's class because we had the four third round picks. Like, oh, we're not going to spend the four third round picks. And yeah, then he did. Yeah, right, exactly. And and none of whom really did much in the rookie season, uh, which was disappointing. But if you, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Maybe I'll it'll be for all three of us. Let's assume they stay put at twelve. Uh, choose a name. What's what's your best guess? As of uh, we're recording here, it's Thursday. What are we? April eighth, seventh. Mm-hmm. Thursday, April 7th. And so it's a few weeks away. Dan, we'll start with you. Then Sam, I don't know if you've got a name in mind or a couple of names in mind, but what's what's your best guess uh, for who the Vikings are going to choose provided they stay at number 12? Right now, I'm going to say Jermaine Johnson. The All right. Rusher, so. Yep. Yep. Sam, what do you got? I'm putting me on the spot. I, um, you know what? Give me a second because I, when I was actually yeah. thinking of Dan's guy but i want to i want to i want to take this good sign but i want to uh i want to think of a different name so you you Mm -hmm. go for it kyle i uh i tell you what i'm scared will happen and this might be a good question for dan too i'm scared they're going to draft tyler linderbaum and i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that young man's name correctly linderbaum i think i pronounce it um and you know maybe i'm being unfair because everyone's their own person and he might end up being an excellent center with the thought of spending another kind of high-ish pick in the first round on an undersized center just seems like such a brutal idea to me. Um, so I'm scared of Linderbaum at 12. Uh, but I will say, uh, I'm going to say Gardner. I'm going to say actually the my Gardner slides and uh, put, put me in a Gardner at number 12. Okay. Well, so, cause I know that these are all names that I was thinking of and I, um, I know just seeing the discourse over the last 48 hours, uh, I would have liked to see uh, Stingley come at number yeah, 12. Yeah. It seems like he yeah. is just jumping higher and higher up. And like, it, yeah. uh, it's one of those things where like, in some ways you're like, oh man, I wish that the combine stuff didn't happen so that uh, yeah, yeah. people like him, like where it's great player position of need, uh, like he he has done some work to to kind of remove himself from there. But uh, you know what? We get to be a dreamer, so I'm gonna say uh, Derek Stingley and and Stingley. hope that uh, hope that that comes to fruition because I think that would be that would be really fantastic. Just seeing what he's doing, mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine that's that's the case. I know you said realistic, but um, yeah, no, it's it's, my it's own a, yeah, yeah, true enough. Dan, do you have an opinion on Linderbaum and and the merits of maybe going center? I, I do like Linderbaum as a prospect. I just don't think that um, Adolfo Mensa as an analytically minded GM is going to go center unless, you know, he's like the, um, he's basically a hall of fame prospect, which he right. isn't. Right. I could see if we trade down, but I kind of feel like they're going to try to salvage Garrett Bradbury and maybe bring in like a Cole strange in the third round to compete sure. with somebody like that. Sure. I think that's more of where they're going to go. Yeah. Okay. Sure enough. I mean, I, I think that 
picking someone in like third round, no worries. Absolutely. Bring, bring in a day two guy or a day three guy. Absolutely. First round, it makes me a little nervous. And I, I think, again, with what you're saying with like analytics and, and Crisi Dopamensa and like center is not as valuable as some of these other spots. And so, yeah, I would tend to agree with that. But this is his first draft ever as a general manager. And so we're going to we're going to see. We're going to see. Yeah. So Gardner, Stingley, Jermaine Johnson. Those, those are the three guesses. Let's take all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, uh, you guys are highlighting a good point, though, in recognizing, like, certainly there's a lot of conversation around day one uh, players, and that's exciting. Like, those are the, the mm-hmm. names you're starting to hear. Uh, but there's, like, a lot of really good work for teams happens on, on those day two and day three. And yeah. It will be really important for the Vikings. Like, again, you're not like there is it's I, at least for me, I find it hard. Sometimes you kind of forget about day two and day three sometimes of the draft, but there are certainly some neat opportunities there um, mm-hmm. for this team. And I know you mentioned that we look at last year's draft and maybe don't see a whole lot of fruition yet from those picks. Um, but that even maybe is a good transition into this last point here with this current mm-hmm. roster. Uh, can you, so I, we're going to go one on offense and one on defense. Um, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a guy that was drafted last year, but just someone on this roster that you can identify as a player the Vikings already have on their roster that has an ability to improve. Uh, someone that is there, maybe was in a depth role that you could mm-hmm. see is stepping into a bigger role this year. And so, uh, Dan, why don't you start with maybe choosing a player on the offensive side, someone that you look at and say, you know what? Not that you're saying it's going to happen for sure, but uh, someone that you could see takes that next step. I think we're definitely going to see more of Kane Wangu getting yeah. on offense. That's a good one. Especially with O'Connell coming in. That's a good one. He's so fast. And, you know, I think he had like 15 touches on offense, even though Cook missed a couple of games, which is kind mm-hmm. of inexcusable. We're going to see more than him just getting carries up the middle like he did. He's got the, you know, you can use him on jet run, um, jet sweeps. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use him as a decoy, you know, put him in the slot and just make teams think, well, what are they going to do? And then you don't even have to do anything. So mm-hmm. I've been kind of hoping for um, Cook and Madison to be more of a Camara mark Ingram combo. Mm-hmm. And I think if you sprinkle in a little Wangu to, you know, keep those two fresh and just spice things up, you know, put two running backs in the field at some point. Yeah. yeah O'Connell can go wild with them. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot of fun. That's, cool. that's a, that's a, that was not one of the names I had thought of, but now that I hear it, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Yeah, I, man. He's so fast. He showed a lot of good flashes on that special teams and even started to get yeah. a little bit of touches in the, uh, in the offense near the end of the season. And so that's a good pick. Kyle, how about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dan's got a good one. Um, the one I think of, and it, this is not necessarily my answer for this year. The one I think of is, is KJ Osborne, right? Because his rookie season, he had he literally did nothing on offense. He had zero statistics. And then last year, he had like 50 catches. He had seven t- touchdowns, like 600 some yards. And so you literally talk about like internal growth where you really didn't really maybe anticipate him being pretty rock solid WR3. And then he's actually ended up having a pretty nice year. So he's like the ideal in my mind of like, here is 
internal growth. This is great. Um, and it's going to be harder to measure this, but I would say Ezra Cleveland. Ezra Cleveland's left guard. So Boise State, second round pick, left tackle, then got flipped over right guard during his rookie season out of necessity. All things considered, did reasonably well, you know, given the circumstances he was put in. And then got flipped back to left guard. I might say flipped back, flipped over to left guard, which wasn't even necessarily his college position, but at least the footwork is more similar given that he's on the left side, right? And, and he seemed to do better in that position. I'm looking for Cleveland to actually like be a nice player, like a really good, strong left guard. Darisaw and Cleveland left side, highly athletic, young. Uh, that's, my, that's my pick, Ezra Cleveland. Uh, an impact, legit left guard. Interesting, interesting. Watch, watch for the pulling guards. Watch for screen passes. Watch for reach blocks. Watch for climbing to the second level. Ezra Cleveland. That's my, that's that's my guess. It, it when you said uh, Osborne, I was kind of curious. I thought that a wide receiver that people maybe would have thought of, or at least I thought of before Osborne was uh, Amir Smith Marset. I feel like yeah, he, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you look at what's ahead of him, and you kind of wonder where what the opportunity is. Um, so I think that's a, that's a name, but the name I'm going to choose, and this is kind of, again, a, a dream pick, but I would love to see Wyatt Davis take a step and for mm. a guy mm-hmm. like him to step into uh, such a position of need on that offense, uh, like just a very important position. And, and if he could take at least uh, some good snaps, and I feel like he had flashes uh, but certainly definitely wasn't on the field a ton last year. Uh, it would be great for him to, to take a step. And I think that would be, uh, I think I would say from my perspective that if he was able to have some notable improvements, that would be uh, one of the most important things for that offense. Or like in terms of all these people that we're talking about, that would be, mm-hmm. if he's able to take that step, that would be um, such a huge move considering where they were at in terms of some of those positions that need out the offensive line. All right. Um, defense. Yeah, let's go defense. Dan. Yeah, I got Cam Bynum written down. Mm-hmm. Kind of seems like the one obvious option because right now he's, he's the guy next to Harrison Smith. And we saw him for two starts last year. And I mean, PFF gave him an elite grade. And he looks good, but you know, and it was a small sample size and we'll, we'll have to see he's, you know, he's still moving over from safety to corner, which he played at in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So still a transition for him, but it'll be interesting to see. I still think they're going to sign a veteran safety to compete with him. So the question mm-hmm. is, can Bynum win? And if he doesn't, can they still at least use him some, in some sub packages? Cause mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened last year. Uh, yeah. Woods just got his, um, it was Smith out, but they didn't take any snaps from Xavier Woods to give to Bynum. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, yeah, that's fair. He did, um, you know, it's, it was the Superman interception in that Baltimore game. That's that's the one that always in my like in my moment I think of the season. That play in particular stands out. But he had a nice, like especially like he did pretty nice like as a rookie. And these the fact that they haven't really done anything at safety kind of suggests that maybe they're feeling pretty good about him or they feel pretty good about where the draft is at or whatever. It's just been a little surprising that they haven't done more to address safety, but hopefully that means 
Bynum is in line for a good year. Uh, this might be a little bit cheating because he's already had a pretty good sized role. But I say Cameron Dancer just, just because they're such a neat corner and he's been in and out of the lineup for the first two years. He's kind of in Zim's doghouse. And like at times, he's just made such brutal mistakes. Like the DK Metcalf big completion in uh, the rookie year when Seattle drove the field and ended up winning. And uh, there was that clip of Harrison Smith. Uh, uh, you could very easily read his lips of what he was saying to Cameron Dantzler and, and using an expletive for Dantzler not covering his guy, um, if, if memory serves. And then last year against the Lions, he had the, uh, you know, backpedaling on the goal line, even though he knows he needs to be holding the line. But I'd say if Cameron Dantzler can stick in the lineup and uh, kind of avoid some of these, you know, really notable errors, that would just be huge. I mean, Patrick Peterson's fine. You know, he's not going to be the burner that he was before. He's not going to be as fast. If he's your CB2 or CB3, you probably feel okay about it. If Dantzler can stay in the lineup and be a legit strong starter, really kind of grow into that potential that we've been seeing, that would just be huge, huge, right? Like, and, and, and stay healthy because he's been a little bit banged up as well. Uh, so staying in the lineup, playing well, giving the Vikings strong corner play, and uh, hopefully not just this year, but moving forward, given that he's younger, obviously that's, that's a big deal as well. So Dantzler is actually my, my pick on, on defense, even though he's already played a fair bit. I'll, I'll go with Dantzler. Yeah, you guys took the, the two best answers, so... Yeah, just uh, Seward. I, I, um, you know what? I'm gonna, ch- I'm gonna cheat a little bit, and I'm. It's, uh, it's different than the question, I guess, being asked in a sense. But I'm gonna put my money on uh, Peterson actually having a better season this year than he did last season. I think he's gonna okay. turn back the clock. I know he's he's had lots of experience, and like we've seen what he was at his prime. And I'm not saying that he's gonna get back there, but um, I. I don't, there's something like just this off season, he seems to be really motivated. And I think it's really interesting that he's come back to the Vikings. And I wonder how much interest there was for him uh, mm-hmm. out on the free agent market. I don't know if there really was, but I wonder if something like that, uh, if he could, if he could improve from last year, that would be a really, uh, really important thing for the Vikings considering the, that I think that we're all probably in agreement that, uh, that cornerback position is one of, if not the biggest need for this team right now, um, mm-hmm. as we head into the to the new season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true enough. True enough. I was thinking, I don't know if there's other names you had in mind, Dan, but the other names I was thinking of were the young defensive ends, Patrick Jones, Janarius Robinson, who's coming off the injury, and then uh, DJ Wanham. If one of those three, or... I'd be thrilled with all three, but if, if at least one of those three could be, you know, legit in, in terms of like a very good third option, I guess they will be outside linebackers now probably, or maybe they'll play the five technique. But if, if one of those, one of those three could really be strong options for the Vikings, that would just be so huge. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. And maybe you could throw a Jalen Twyman's name in. Another maybe- one. Yeah. He didn't get a chance last year. So yeah, exactly. That's right. He'd be a that's rotational right. guy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I think really you're looking at like you're you're not going to hit on a hundred percent success rate with these guys, no, but yeah. but like those are a lot of good names there. 
um i uh names that i had kind of forgotten about a little bit but now as you start to mention them talk about them there's some there's some possibilities there and i think that Mm -hmm. uh, certainly through a variety of situations with those guys uh I don't know, DJ Wanham, I thought, had a good year. And if he can continue to kind of have the occasional sack, uh, continue to improve, probably not an every, mm-hmm. every down guy, but someone that can come in. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some, there's, I will say this, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, there's a lot of room for improvement for this defense. And it would be great yeah. for some of these guys to be a part of the solution and getting back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Well, let's we'll we'll wrap up our Vikings talk there. Um, Dan, we we always do a little bit of a segment here talking about the Minnesota Wild. Are you a hockey fan at all, or follow the Minnesota Wild at all? And I'm not. I'm a pretty big Twins fan, but not Timberwolves or Wild. So 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 that uh, you you're choosing the franchises that uh, haven't had a whole lot of success, eh? Oh, I mean, none of the four really have no they haven't <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it seems at least from what i've i've seen i'm not a huge baseball person but it seems like the twins there's uh a little bit of a lack of optimism i know they had a, a big free agent signing but um they're they're kind of around 500 actually they're kind of like the vikings now so <laughs> there's yeah, so okay. much fun cheering for 500 teams eh yep yep mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and at I'll, least it I'll, seems like the wild are uh, off of that path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so like I know last time we talked, they've the, every team goes through stretches. Last ten, uh, at least from what I've seen, this is uh, Thursday, April seventh, and they are eight one and one in their last ten, which is pretty sensational. And I think at this stage, it would Excellent. be pretty fair to assume that the wild behind Calgary behind. Colorado are the third best team in that division. I know Vegas, or sorry, in the conference, Vegas has the possibility. The Vegas Golden Knights have the possibility of being that team. They've got a lot of star power, but at this point, it's looking less likely that they're going to make the playoffs. But I think this Minnesota Wild team is, at this point, I will say the third best team in that Western Conference, and they are going to have to get past Colorado if they're going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they have a second round matchup with Colorado. Colorado hasn't got past the second round in quite yeah. some time. Uh, and so who knows what can happen? Goaltending's playing well. Uh, lots of lots of good time to be uh, – it's a good time to be a Minnesota Wild fan. So mm-hmm. uh, if you want to – if you're cheering for this – for uh, just all the Minnesota teams, it's a good good team to hit your wagon to, at least, at least at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems like the basketball and hockey seem to offer the most optimism at this stage. And, um, but again, like I was saying at the top, I've been wrong more than I care to admit. And I'd be thrilled to be wrong if the Vikings happen to, uh, put together an excellent season, but good, good for the wild. Good for the wild. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we got the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're covering all the sports today. Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They, they yeah. are right now in, in seventh right now. So they're in a play in game, uh, mm-hmm. for the NBA, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a championship. So yeah. There is, we'll I know we've, we've, we're, while there's still exciting stuff happening in the NFL offseason, uh, if you're looking to actually watch some, some games, uh, you got some playoff, mm-hmm. playoff sports in Minnesota coming up here and mm-hmm. baseball season starting as, uh, for, for Dan, for your Minnesota twins. So lots of, uh, lots of good time to be 
a sports fan. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we'll wrap it up here, Dan, where, uh, where can people find your stuff? I know you already told us what's, uh, anything other than purple pain forums for, for people to be looking out for. Well, if you're into twin stuff, I am around twins daily a lot. So there's that, but yeah, um, purple pain is the place to be. So yeah. Thanks for giving me a opportunity to come on your podcast. Absolutely. Appreciate, appreciate you, you coming on, making time. Yeah. Do you stay away from Twitter? Um, I basically just get news there. I don't post anything. Nice. I'm, I'm not a big social media guy. So good, good, man. That good, is, good that is smart. It is, it is smart. We need more people like you around. Uh, that's great. Yeah, seriously, though. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Kyle, plugs for uh, listeners? No, yeah. It, hit up Propane Forums. It's uh, like the community there is really passionate. Like They really care about the Vikings. And uh, yeah, so if you're into forums or think you might like to get into forums, Propane Forums is a pretty good one to give, give a try. And uh, otherwise, yeah. I write on PTSD.com for the most part these days. And so you can check that out if you like. And if you don't want it, that's fine too. You can uh, live your own life, cheer for the twins, watch the masters. And uh, thanks for listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Take care, everyone. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening.